turn to Ephesians chapter 6. Last week we got to hear from the Grangers, which was wonderful. This week we're back to study of Ephesians. And by the way, speaking of the Grangers, if you missed Wednesday night, Trisha Granger and her four sisters were on the set of Grace Gumbo. Uh, it too was wonderful, easily one of my favorite gumbos. And I bet it will be uh, up on the website before too long, so be looking for that. All right, back in verses 5 through 9 of Ephesians chapter 6. I'll read verses 5 through 9, but we will spend most of our time today considering verses 5 through 7. So follow as I read Ephesians 6, 5 through 9. This is the Word of God. Bond servants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart as you would Christ, not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man, knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a bond servant or is free. Masters, do the same to them and stop your threatening knowing that He who is both their Master and yours is in heaven, and that there is no partiality with Him. So, uh, last time we were in this passage, we were thinking mostly about slavery because that was the original context of this passage. Uh, Believe it or not, there were slaves and slave masters in church together in Ephesus. And if that stirs up all sorts of questions and you weren't here when we covered it, I tried to answer some of those questions. Um, That is on the app, so you can go and listen under 20s and 30s titled Slaves and Slave Masters. Now, uh, praise God, we're not in a church with slaves and slave masters, but we can still apply this passage in a couple different directions. You know, we think about what are some of the other relationships where there is someone in authority and someone under authority like employers and employees, or how about elders and church members? Certainly not an apples-to-apples comparison with slaves and slave masters, but the principles apply nonetheless. So I want to reread that passage with those two things in mind. We could say, employees or church members, obey your employers or elders with fear and trembling with a sincere heart as you would Christ not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man, knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive back from the Lord, whether those in authority or those under authority. Employers, elders, do the same to them and stop your threatening, knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven and that there is no partiality with him. Again, these were, this is not the original context, but these are legitimate applications. So let us think through some of these relationships at work and in the church. Uh, today we will focus on verses 5 through 7, speaking to those who are under authority. So I think the first thing to recognize is that this passage recognizes that there is a tension in these relationships. For instance, those in authority uh, abusing their authority by threatening those under their authority. But also, we could say that it does not come naturally for those under authority 
to sincerely submit to authority from the heart to truly arrive at a place of glad submission. I think this grates against our sinful flesh. So to truly walk in this passage, however imperfectly, it requires a battle with remaining sin. And it's an ongoing battle. It's a daily battle. Uh, Putting off the old man, putting on the new, killing sin in the flesh, and walking in the Spirit, walking in the path that the Lord has cut for us. So again, speaking to those under authority, whether at work or in church, anybody who has a boss, uh, anybody who is a church member and not an elder, we are called to obey our earthly masters, to obey our elders, obey our employers. Now, this excludes any obedience to earthly authority that would uh, require disobedience to God. So if they're you know, demanding that you disobey God at His word, uh, if the boss demands that you get in on a slick deal you know, that's going to send a little backwater trickle into your checking account, you just say no. If an elder calls you to stop believing that Jesus is the only way to be right with God, uh, you know, back away slowly, write the session. If they're in on it, run and go to another church. Uh, that said, there are many areas where we may not agree with an employer or with eldership, yet we're called to obey. For example... Um, an elder or employer, uh, they get mixed up for me because they're the same thing, but uh, they have a time policy, let's say, that you think is less than ideal. Uh, well, they're the boss. Obey your employer. Um, maybe the elders have a policy that you disagree with, or maybe uh, you think that they ought to add a particular policy or amend one uh, this way or that way. How are we to think about that? Well, this passage helps us get our bearings and it shows us how to proceed. Obey your employer, obey your elders with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart as you would Christ. You know, it's interesting because Paul uses this language of obedience with fear and trembling uh, one other place in Philippians 2. So you could turn there a couple pages to the right and you can see it for yourself. Philippians 2, 12 and 13 Paul says, therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now not only... So he's talking about obedience, right? As you've always obeyed, he's, he's talking about their obedience. So now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. There it is. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for His good pleasure. So, just like in Ephesians 6, the church is being called to obedience... Uh, here in, in Philippians, it's a call to obey God with fear and trembling. Over in Ephesians, it's a call to obey earthly authorities with fear and trembling, just as we would obey the Lord. Now, uh, this fear and trembling doesn't mean panic and anxiety. In fact, fear and trembling are um, compatible with the peace of God and uh, the presence of God. I was reading in Acts chapter 9 this week where in verse 31 it says, the church had peace and was being built up. And this is just after, I mean, Stephen was just stoned to death and it's, you know, they're being persecuted by Saul and carried off to prison. It's a crazy time in the church. It said the church had peace and was being built up and walking in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. So the fear of the Lord is compatible with peace and with comfort. 
Uh, When God is near, His people fear Him. And when God is near, His people have peace. Many of you have known this tension in your lives, having that fear of the Lord and peace of God at the same time. I remember uh, one thing that came to mind as I was thinking about this is being on a mission trip in Bay St. Louis, Mississippi, when I was in college and looking out at the water. Uh, Bay St. Louis is right where the eye of Katrina hit and uh, the water rose 30 feet above sea level and swallowed up much of that town. Uh, Just to give you an idea, when we lived there after that, we lived at the highest point in Bay St. Louis, which was 23 feet above sea level, and uh, there was water during the storm up to the countertops. So Donald, we rented from a guy, lived on his property. Donald, the, the owner, was there during the storm. He said, man, it's a crazy thing to hear the ocean in your living room. He was in his attic. You know, and, uh, but they were at the highest point in Bay St. Louis, and there's water to the countertops. Uh, water was over Walmart. You know, it's just like, it's hard to imagine. So, um, a few years after the storm, I remember being on a mission trip, and I'm sitting there, and I'm staring at that water, which was calm and still, but one time it wasn't. And I had a very real sense that God was there. Um, in fact, that's why Tiffany and I moved there, because God was there. And I know God's everywhere, but like He was near there. And what that did in me was simultaneously stir up the fear of God and yet have this strange, uh, hard-to-explain peace from God. How could you not fear? God raised up a storm that swallowed up this city. And yet... God raised up His people to respond to this storm, to love this city and its devastation. And being down there after the storm, you just had this sense that God is here. I mean, God is in the midst of this, working in the midst of this devastation. Uh, The fear of God and the peace of God, hand in hand. Many of you have had similar experience, whether in God's nearness through tragedy or major transition in your life or major period of growth in the Lord. God is near and there is a fear of God uh, and a peace of God. I'm reminded of in the Chronicles of Narnia, I think Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, you know, the question about Aslan, the Christ figure, is he safe? No, 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 he's not safe, but he's good. You know, there's, a, there's that tension of He is other than we thought, um, and yet He is near, and He is good. So the reality is God has drawn very near to us in in giving us salvation in His Son, in in applying that salvation to us by depositing in us the Holy Spirit and giving us His Word, authored by His Holy Spirit, to guide us in how to receive and how to work out His salvation that He's blessed us with. A proper way, the proper way to work out that salvation is to draw near to Him in fear and trembling, with humility and reverence and sobriety and uh, submission. You know, God has spoken. What has He said? Are we so high-minded that we would disregard the Word of the Living God? That we would grieve the Holy Spirit and trample on the blood of Christ by continuing to go our own way? Well, in fact, we are. We all are. But God's grace abounds. So we return to Him again and again in contrition and repentance and faith, humbled by our sin, humbled even more by His grace and mercy. 
Thankful for the forgiveness of sins. Thankful for His steadfast love. How could He love someone like me, someone like us, that continues to spurn Him and turn against Him in His ways? And all the while in this cycle of repentance and faith, we believe all the more that His way is the way. More concerned all the time to truly obey Him sincerely from the heart to work out our salvation in fear and trembling. So, the fear and trembling to earthly masters is not so much about fear and trembling before them. It is really about fear and trembling before God. Uh, God is the one who has providentially put us under the authorities that we are under. Whether it's an employer, even a bad employer. Whether it's an elder, and, and so on. And He has spoken to us about how to move forward. You know, we can extend this into... We, we talked before about marriage. Um, the husband is the head of the wife. Uh, you know, wives are called to submit to their husbands. And again, the, um, even when there is a bad husband, how are we to move forward? God has spoken about that. To obey with fear and trembling as in obedience to Him. It says with fear and trembling and with a sincere heart. You know, not by the way of eye service, people pleasing, uh, doing it when they're looking, not when they're not looking, but as... As servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord. So I have a couple examples from my own life that I think can kill two birds with one stone um, about relationships with my elders that happen to also be my employers. And uh, so you take them and apply them whichever way this, this strikes home. First, about my relationship with Brent Wilkins, who uh, I believe Brent's official title is Director of Administration and Operation. In short, as Dr. Young likes to say, we all work for Brent. Everyone that's on staff, uh, Brent's the boss, and we all work for him. And he's really a very good boss. Um, I was telling Tiffany just this week, he has to be the most underappreciated person on staff. He just kind of under the radar, behind the scenes, and he provides the structure in very many ways. He makes the thing go. Uh, but the fact that I'm saying that, that he's a very good boss, and was saying to my wife this week, really out of adoration, like, I'm amazed by what that guy does week in and week out. Well, that's uh, evidence of some serious work having been done in me because it was not always that way. I didn't always think that way about Brent. Um, let's just say that we had a rather strained working relationship, especially early on. Uh, the details aren't really important, but I assure you it was pretty ugly there for a little while. And uh, how do we get out of there? I don't know what God was doing with him, but I can tell you that God stopped me in my tracks in a passage in 1 Peter 2, and it was a passage about submitting to leadership with respect. Even if there is injustice involved, and at that time, I thought there was. Um, looking back, I don't think so. You know, injustice is a pretty strong word. Maybe some misunderstanding. But, um, you know, but even if there is injustice, we're called to submit to our authorities with all respect, following the example of Christ, who was committed, I mean, against Him was committed the greatest injustice in the history of the world. The Son of God unjustly killed at the hands of sinful men. He committed no sin, the text says. Neither was deceit found in his mouth. Yet when they mocked and insulted and condemned him, he did not mock and insult and condemn in return. The text says, and this is what really struck me, he continued entrusting himself to the Father who judges justly. 
So what has God called me to do? Well, he was calling me to submit to Brent with all respect, right? Trusting him, God, trusting the Father to, to work out his plan according to his ways that he has designed in these kinds of relationships. And a strange thing happened about that time. Uh, I started to really appreciate Brent a lot more than, you know, always grumbling and complaining about him. Why was I grumbling and complaining about him? Well, uh, looking back, I don't think it was really about him. Uh, it was about my sin. It was about my discontent in, in the relationship where God had me. And that's one of the things where that really struck me in that passage. Uh, but after God stopped me in my tracks, 1 Peter 2, over a relatively short period of time, Brent and I had and still have a very good working relationship, have for years. Uh, He has even used our relationship as a positive example to the entire staff in terms of fluid communication and uh, staying on the same page and and that sort of thing. Which just is another reminder that God's ways are good. Submit to and obey your leaders with a sincere heart in service to the Lord. And again, that is not our instinct. Another example, just to prove that that is not our instinct, even years later. Um, this was, you know, in the last couple of weeks as I'm thinking about this passage. Long story shorter, uh, that someone set up a GoFundMe page for Ty McMahon, Tyrell McMahon, uh, who because his son, we've been praying for his son Nathaniel, has been in the hospital, and because his son's been in the hospital with bad burns, he's been out of work for an extended period of time. And from, what I, from what I understand, you know, it's unpaid leave and that sort of thing. So I've been getting messages from Ty, just updates every week, and posting them to GOL. For whatever reason, he hasn't been able to post to GOL. So in one of the po- one of the emails, he told me about the GoFundMe and asked if I would mind sharing it on GOL if that would be appropriate. Well, my first instinct was just to send it out. Um, but in the back of my mind, I was thinking about the elders' policy that you cannot solicit funds through GOL no matter what. But then I was, you know, thinking, I mean, but I mean, you know, I understand that for most situations, but in this situation, I mean, this guy's kid, it's badly burned. He's in the hospital. He almost died. He's over there caring for his son. So surely, um, surely this is fine. So I was going to send it and just deal with the consequences. And, uh, but, you know, the Lord spared me from teaching or talking about this passage even with hypocrisy. Um, he brought it to mind. I've been thinking about it already. It's coming up in the text. Obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling. It's, you know, God has never spoken audibly to me, but there are many times when He's been clear. And, uh, you know, it's like He's saying, do you think it's a light thing to disregard my commands? Have I spoken about how to move forward in this? Obey with a sincere heart. No workarounds. As a servant of Christ, render service as to Him. So I'm starting to think then, well, God is sovereign overall, right? We love the quote around here from R.C. Sproul who said that there's not one maverick molecule in all of the universe that's outside of His control. Which means that God has appointed those elders over me. He has appointed those policies through those elders. And uh, one of the ways that I work out my salvation in fear and trembling before God is to obey them with fear and trembling as I would Him. So, He did it again. Um, 
expose me. It was time to pray and confess my sin and repent and return to God in order to be refreshed in the forgiveness of sins, which is always there, and to, you know, again, set myself to walk in the way that He has prescribed. So I prayed, I sent an email to the elders, and I asked how to proceed, and they reiterated the policy that I knew was there. It wasn't a surprise. You can't solicit funds through GOL. But a strange thing happened. Um, Instead of grumbling and complaining about my elders and their policies, I started to think about them and their policies differently. We both serve the same Lord, and that's really what's getting at here, right, in this passage. We're both... uh, sons of God, we're, we're brothers in Christ, they're seeking to serve Jesus in dependence on Him just like I am, they have a lot on their plate. They consider things from different angles that I don't even know exist. So have they gotten it perfect? No. Have I? Mm-mm. But we're on the same team, and I'm called to follow their lead um, in the Lord. Now, that doesn't mean we can't talk about these things. Our elders are godly men who love the flock. They're not authoritarian dictators. They're open to talk about these things. Um, But there is a difference between talking to them in the spirit that I was in when I was just about to go ahead. You know what I mean? Uh, There's a difference difference in just blasting an email, which I was already typing. Um, and, And then, you know, the other side of things is getting my bearings in this passage or passages like it. There's lots of passages like it. And um, confessing where there's sin and submitting with a sincere heart as to the Lord and walking in His paths. And then pursuing a conversation that way, it turns out very different. Um, You know, you can get somewhere. So, I think we have some policies that run into some dead ends in some areas. I also think we need some different policies in some different areas. Maybe you have similar issues, whether it's with church or with work or whatever it is. At times, I can be passionate about these things, which is not all wrong. We need some passion. I've heard Dr. Young say, I'd rather have a stallion that you have to, you know, wrangle than a dead fish. I mean, it's good to have some passion. But... um, Again, this passage and passages like it, it helps me to get my bearings and uh, to serve Him in the way that He's called me in obedience to my leaders, sincerely from the heart in obedience to the Lord. All right, I I mentioned uh, grumbling and complaining a minute ago, and I want to talk about it for a minute because uh, I'm so prone to it, and I think it's one, uh, a sin that we're all prone to. And God doesn't take it lightly. So I I was reading back through this week, uh, Exodus 16, 17, Numbers 11 and 12. Go read those this afternoon, this week. Read about the Israelites grumbling and complaining against Moses. And, uh, you know, we just want to go back to Egypt where they were feeding us right. What is this manna stuff? And, you know, God understands that as grumbling and complaining against Him. He provided the manna. Read about God's response with Miriam and leprosy and the death of a number of Israelites. Um because of grumbling and complaining. Then go to 1 Corinthians 10, 6-13. So this isn't only an Old Testament issue, uh, but 1 Corinthians 10, 6-13, where grumbling and complaining is mentioned in the same breath as worshiping false gods, sexual immorality, and putting Jesus Christ to the test. I mean, it's not taken lightly. It is a serious sin, yet I think it's one that we often treat as one of our 
little pet sins, you know, it's housebroken, and we just kind of let it live inside. But why is grumbling and complaining uh, against those in authority such a serious sin? Because ultimately, it's grumbling and complaining against God. Uh, Grumbling and complaining about the provisions that He has made for us. Again, He provided the manna. He's the one that established Moses and Aaron in leadership. And they were all, you know, Miriam's just beside herself about it. Surely, if they can do that, we could do that. He is the one that appointed our elders. He's the one that appointed appointed your employer. Um, So, let us serve our employers and serve our elders as we would serve Christ. With fear and trembling in repentance and faith, with a sincere heart, uh, trusting God's ways that they are perfectly wise and perfectly good. Where there's sin, we've got to kill it. We can't let it stay around the house because sin snowballs and then uh, sin doesn't discriminate. Downstream, it's popping up in other ways that, that we had no idea it would. We let the sin of grumbling and complaining hang around and all of a sudden we're entertaining sins over here that we never thought we'd entertain. We didn't think we were susceptible to Because it's just sin. It's the flesh. It's growing, all connected. And it starts sprouting its head in other ways. But the the freedom in this is we know. We confess our sins to God. He is faithful to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us. Not only to forgive us, but to cleanse us from all unrighteousness because it is paid for. Jesus paid for all of it. All of our sins are fully and finally forgiven through Christ. And back to what we've read in Ephesians, in light of the grace that's been extended to us, we, in the power of the Spirit, are to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which we've been called. Put on, putting off the old self, which belongs to the former manner of life, it's corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of our minds, to put on the new self, which is created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Let us pray. Father in heaven, um, passionate about this in part because you've used it in my life so much. Lord, I thank you for that. Um, Thank you for those convictions uh, which are frankly embarrassing. to see ourselves in the light of Your Word. and uh, But we, we know that You expose those that You love, Lord, and we want You to expose us. Uh, we don't want to have pet sins that snowball and rear their ugly head downstream in much different ways. Uh, so we pray You would continue to discipline us in those ways. We know You only discipline those that You love. And Lord, we thank You for Your grace and mercy, which is never ceasing. We know that Your mercies are new every morning. We need them again this morning. Thank You, Lord Jesus, for uh, living the life that we have not and taking each and every one of our sins on Yourself on the cross. Thank You that You not only forgive us our debts, but You cleanse us from all of our sins. Lord, I thank You for our leaders. I thank You for the elders that lead this church. I thank You for the employers that You've put over those who have employers over them. Um. We pray that You would be at work in their lives. And uh, we pray that You would draw them close and and build them up in Christ. And Lord, we do pray that You would continue to lead us in the paths of life. Um, We know that the ways of our sin lead to destruction, but the way of of, uh, 
following you, though it is hard, it leads to life. And uh, please give us grace to remain dependent on you and to walk with you all of our days. Pray in Christ's name. Amen.